The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few notes of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is show pop. Hey everybody, welcome to Show Call, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Chad Allen. My guest today is a tour manager and front of house audio engineer. He's toured with Three Teeth, Ghost Main, Nights Are Ebb, and Horror. Please welcome Robert Swinson. Robert, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How's it going? Good, good. It's a rare sunny day out today. Yeah, it's a little overcast in Portland, but yeah. uh, what are you going to do? Pacific Northwest. That's right. And that is your, your home city, right? Portland? As, uh, now has... it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm from Seattle, but I've been here about three years. Okay, okay. Very cool. Because, yeah, I saw that, you know, on Facebook that you were down there, and I thought, well, when, when did Robert move to Portland? <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly nice to go on tour because the airport's always like a 10-minute wait to get through security, which beats the heck out of SeaTac. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, and I want to talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned two titles, uh, tour manager and front of house audio engineer, um, you know, are are you doing those at the same time on the same tour? Often I am, yeah. With uh, music industry budgets going the way they've gone, it's a lot easier to get one guy or girl and have them do both jobs rather than pay two people for the two jobs. So right. yeah. on a lot of tours, I am doing both, yes. Okay. And man, that is just, that must be crazy. You must be insanely busy all day. Yeah, for the most part, especially like uh, two years ago, I was TM front of house for both Three Teeth and Horror on the same tour. So it was pretty much nonstop all day. No breaks because, yeah. you know, you mix one band, you switch them over, you mix the other band. Yeah. In addition to all the tour managing stuff, you know. Yeah, for sure. And walk us through your typical day of, of, of doing both tour manager and front of house audio engineer. Oh, man. Okay, so... uh Usually what's happening is the buses, if we're on a bus, uh, rolling into some town somewhere, and a lot of the time, depending on the bus driver, I have to be up, you know, six, seven, eight in the morning, depending on when the bus is going to arrive at the venue. Mm -hmm. Just make sure we get parked, get hooked up to shore power yeah, so that we don't have to run the generator, that kind of stuff. Okay. Get them settled in, get the bus driver off to a hotel, and I'll usually try and take a nap for a couple hours, which generally doesn't happen. And then, <laughs> yeah. uh, because, you know, as someone always has a question, mm -hmm. you know, yep. Hey, Hey Rob, where's the, uh, you know, where can I go get a cup of coffee? And I have to have answers for all that. Sure. Dump. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, go into the venue, check everything out, get everything loaded in. Um, a lot of the time on a lot of these tours, again, because of budget, we don't have dedicated production personnel. Um, yeah. sometimes we do, you know, some of these tours we've got, you know, we usually carry a lighting guy. We usually carry a monitor engineer. And so mm -hmm. those types and me will, you know, push cases, get things inside, get everything set up on the deck. Yeah. Um, then generally I get all my mics placed, get everything set up, tune the room. So I play some songs to kind of get an idea of what the room sounds like because yeah. 
every PA is a little different. Every room's a little different. So sure. I got to walk around and make sure that things sound right in the room. Okay. Run a sound check. Um, make sure everything's good there. Then get everything. If we're headlining, which usually we are, uh, get everything kind of tucked back so that the opener can set up in front of us. Then okay. I go grab some dinner or something, which I usually have about an hour to do that. And then uh, come back, make sure everyone's happy and healthy, get the show going, do the show, get yep. paid, handle all the uh, ins and outs of the, uh, the contracts and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. make sure the promoter hasn't charged us for something they shouldn't have. Get paid, get everything loaded out, get everything in the trailer, yep. maybe go grab a beer somewhere, get back on the bus, and then... Uh, Generally, I do my end of night paperwork while the bus is leaving town. Sit down okay. in the back lounge, crunch numbers, make sure that you know everything's hunky dory on that front, and then uh, have a couple beers with the band. Try to go to sleep, rinse, repeat. Yeah, <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so during your day, do you ever feel like I got to switch off the tour manager part of it and then switch on the audio? engineer part of it you know that part of your brain or is it are you just both the whole day in both mindsets yeah pretty much both the whole time so usually what'll happen is before the band's about to go on i'm backstage with them making sure they've got everything they need you know making sure that thing you know little things that you wouldn't even think about but you know are there bottles of water and towels on the stage in the right places you know does the you know did the whatever band member remember to get his proper boots or whatever to wear on the yep. stage, yep. that kind of silliness. That's then, important. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. It is, you know, like the aesthetic is a huge part of a lot of bands. Yeah. You can't go out looking not right. Mm-hmm. So make sure that's all good to go. I usually give them about a 10 minute warning and then I go back out to front of house, make sure everything's going. And then, uh, and then, yeah, then, then we roll the show. Man, and you're you're responsible for getting everyone from city to city, lining all that up, right? Uh, for the most part, yeah. It depends on uh, whether we're in a bus or in a van and trailer. Yeah. So some of these, if we're in a van and trailer, I also do all the driving. Wow. Okay, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So last year, yeah. I did several tours where it was me driving the van in addition to everything else. Yeah. So I've got a lot of a lot of hours driving sprinters. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> I love those things, man. <laughs> those, oh, they're great. Yeah. Like uh, like modern, you know. Not to plug a company, I'm not getting paid for, but the Bandigo trail or Bandigo vehicles just they're set up perfectly for it. You know, you got yep. captain chairs in them so the band can sleep. You got yep. a PlayStation or something in there. There, and when you know when you're spending hours and hours in a vehicle that you're not like you don't have bunks in it's really important to be comfortable so yeah, that's absolutely. a nice thing yeah and so like you you work all day and then you got to get in and drive several hours to the next city i mean do you do you try to like wait for the next morning or go get some sleep at a hotel somewhere and then get up early the next morning and head out or do you head out i mean you've been go 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 all day just pound a red bull and go for it Sometimes it it kind of depends on the vibe of the band. Like I was out with one band a couple of years ago and their singer really, really wanted to at least get two or three hours down the road every night. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of the time what I try to do in that situation is just get us outside of a city center so I don't have to deal with morning traffic. Gotcha. Okay. So I'll I'll do that. But if it's a city where I know there's where everyone has friends and there's stuff to do, I'll try and you know, I'll try and get us a, a motel or hotel that's pretty close to the venue so that everyone can hang out and, you know, Uber back to the hotel or whatever. It's yeah. like one of the one of the big rules that I learned from uh my buddy Avell, who pretty much taught me most of what I know about tour management. Yeah. One of his hard rules was gear and van, do not go out and party gear and van go home and go to bed yeah so yeah that's when the so when the show's over the van leaves the van parks the van sits still it's not a taxi so if the guys want to hang out and have a couple of beers then they can do that as long as they can uber their way back to the van which you know one of the other rules is stray from the pack find your own way back yeah that's that's very (laughs) true yes uh which I've done a couple of times and oh yeah, I had to get on that. Uh, luckily these days we have, um, we have Uber, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. In the old days, it wasn't fun. I had my, uh, I had my phone die once in Montreal to try to get back to the bus and yeah. had to, uh, use my very, very limited French to get me back to the bus and yeah. attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I made it. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have to get fired. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they uh is one of the only times I missed shuttle call at the hotel uh in Bogota just out <laughs> checking it out and they said, "Oh, we switched the load in time, you know, the day before the show. We switched the load in time to to in 15 minutes." And I was like, "What? I'm not going to make it." And they were like, "You better." So I was like, "Nope, I'm just going to go straight there." And had to do the walk of shame in front of everyone, you know, but <laughs> Yep, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. A very real thing. Yeah. <laughs> what's the most exciting part of your job who it's that's kind of a tough call to be honest i mean i've i've gotten to go places and see things that you know the average person would never get to see it's like mm-hmm. you know as an american to be like yeah i've toured through you know bratislava slovakia like yeah. Who, yeah who gets to say that which is an amazing town by the way i highly recommend it uh I mean, I was in, I think, 20 countries last year. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, you get to go all kinds of places and see things. And if you happen to be lucky enough to get a day off, you know, you can go see stuff. Like, I've I've been lucky enough to get days off in Prague, like, three or four times. That's and amazing. That city is just crazy. Yeah. Like, the, the architecture there, the food, yeah. people are nice like it's just a, an amazing place so i'd say that's probably the uh the most exciting part of it yeah but uh, you know you're you're meeting new people all over the place and it's also there's you know especially when you're dealing with being a tour manager and an engineer it's like mm-hmm. every day there's different puzzles to solve for lack of a better sure. explanation it's like oh okay well this thing Oh, oh yeah. We know our tech specs said we would have this, but we don't. We have something different today. Yeah. And, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I have to change my setup, or you know, yeah. or oh, this room sounds weird, or you know, oh, by the way, we couldn't get you any towels, so here's a bunch of bar rags. You know, just yep. dumb yep. little <laughs> things. That, you know, vehicle breakdowns, and you know, there's there's problem solving that happens every sure. day, which is you know, it's it's fun. 
Yeah. And tell us about uh, vehicle breakdown. I mean, <laughs> tell us, tell us your, the, the time you were, you know, I, I'm sure in the middle of nowhere and like, damn it, you know, radiator went out or whatever. Well, so my very first tour, uh, I was with a band and they're called the Spitting Cobras. They were out of I remember. Seattle. Yep. I yeah. remember when you toured with those guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that was my very first tour as a TM. And it was great because, you know, two of the guys in the band, um, <clears throat> Jules and Andy, had been in a bunch of bands all over the place. Like they, you know, they were in KMFDM. They yep. toured with the Dwarves. You know, they were both in Pig. So they were experienced so it's nice to have them to help me out but sure. uh we bought this rv and this thing had no business being on the road whatsoever like we had it checked out and they're like oh yeah it's great have a nice time yeah. <laughs> we, we broke down 12 times in 14 days canceled some shows and yep. then the engine actually blew the timing chain and tore itself apart at 70 miles an hour on the highway oh my in God. Texas. Yeah, we were about <laughs> 45 minutes north of Abilene at like one in the morning, and Jules, the guitar wow. player, is sitting next to me, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, the v the engine just starts popping like crazy. Fire starts shooting out of the wheel well. Oh, my God. And we're, we look at each other. We think we're dead. Because this thing's, you know, it's hauling. We've got propane on board to run the, the stove and yeah. the refrigerator and you know the thing had like a 50 gallon fuel tank like we thought we wow. were on fire and dead and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i tell the engine's dying i'm like okay we're toast so i'm trying to muscle this thing over to the side of the road before we lose power brakes and power steering and become yeah. a ballistic object Managed to get it over into the shoulder right at the last second as the thing shut down. And I'm like flipping switches everywhere. Everyone else is in the back because we had bunks. Everyone's mm -hmm. asleep. I'm like just in full panic mode, screaming at the top of my lungs. Ah, everyone get out. <laughs> We're on fire. Get the fire extinguishers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like jump out of the thing and jump over the Jersey barrier to like kind of hiding there. And it's, of course, yeah. it's also like 30 degrees outside. Which, oh is, which is about minus one uh, Celsius for you crazy international kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so that ended up being the end of that. Uh, we had to tow it into Abilene and get rid of it. Oh, and yeah. while, it was, while it was at the repair shops, we took most of our stuff out of it, but we didn't take everything, and someone broke into it and stole like our backup guitar and bass. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a good yeah. time. Wow. So, uh, what a the moral of the story is never tour in an RV, no matter what. If it's a new RV, it's still not designed for touring. Don't do it. Yeah. In fact, one, one of my best friends, uh, also been in a bunch of touring bands. Uh, when he found out about the RV, he texted me and he goes, heard about the RV. Worst <laughs> idea ever. Yeah. Welcome to hell. <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> and of course i didn't believe him so he's been he's been saying i told you so for about 11 years now well yeah those things are meant to you know you travel cross country but you go to the rv the camping spot and stay there for a bit yeah yeah it's you, for, know. you know it's for elmer and eunice to take the thing yeah. to a park and <laughs> sit with their little dog for a yeah. week it's not designed to do 500 miles a day it's exactly just yeah get that sprinter van man that's what I'm saying. But like, 
but even even with a you know a good well-maintained vehicle they're gonna happen like we we ended up having to cancel a show last year because our the fuel pump in the sprinter went out yeah. in denver you know it's it's a reality in fact uh also last on that three teeth and horror tour yeah we did the, our first show and then halfway between la and phoenix um one of the wheels came off on a bus oh, off of the bus off of the bus one of the rear wheels oh my god came off like the uh the brake rotor was snapped in half <laughs> oh, no. oh, so we spent yeah so we spent like seven hours sitting in a repair yard uh where were we we were by el toro somewhere and so that made us like six hours late to load in so that was fun oh my, my second God. show with those bands we had to throw everything directly onto the stage and go so <laughs> no sound check just no sound dry check, <laughs> nothing and <laughs> and i'd only done one show so i only sort of knew how things were supposed to go with their wow. mixes so i'm just you know getting getting input levels on the board and praying yep. worked out that's you know. <laughs> yeah and you made it through the rest of the tour okay we did you know, well they like, gave us a different bus okay i was yeah, gonna they, say so when when something breaks down i mean you just make some phone calls and get a new rig in sometimes it depends gotta, on how trashed it is like i was on one bus where one of the generators decided that it was going to be more of a smoke machine than an actual generator wow and that was you know we just had to go into a place and get it fixed or yeah. i was on a tour in uh, this was about 10 years ago. I was on the East coast. And again, it's like my second night with the band Yeah, and I'm in the back lounge and doing my paperwork. And the, the merch guy comes in and he's like, uh, Rob, um, the bus driver needs you. He just shattered the windshield. What? I'm like, <laughs> oh what, are you, what are you talking about? And cause I figured they're just messing with me. Oh, new yeah. TM. Let's yeah. screw them. So I go up front and it had four reels broken he had gone through a toll booth leaving boston and someone had left a door open on the toll booth and it snapped off the right wing mirror yeah which because it's on a a wire to operate the heat in it and, yeah. and the turn signal and stuff the wire stayed which then swung the entire thing up and shattered the entire right half of the windshield jesus so we had to get into a, a <laughs> So we had to go to a Prevo uh, maintenance shop that morning and have it fixed. But we were on the way to New York. So I don't know if you're familiar with Irving Plaza. I'm sure you are. I am. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Irving Plaza is one of those places where at least 10 years ago you could park if you happened to get there early enough. Right. We did not get there early enough. So we're circling the venue trying to just find a way to get the stuff out we ended up having to throw all of our gear onto the sidewalk with the bus double parked did, did you have somebody standing there to guard it yeah yeah we dumped <laughs> the bus to the band. Wow. but then also while this is going on a couple of the band members had an interview they had a video interview with mtv and they were supposed to go to a hotel day room to get freshened up and the hotel decided that they didn't want a bunch of rock and rollers tramping in and out of the hotel so while this is all going on and we're circling the block i'm also on the phone with the hotel and then trying to find a new hotel for them to go to and oh my god 
Yeah, it's that's insane. These are, it's it's always a domino effect. One yeah. little thing wrong, <laughs> it, it's just chaos. Yeah. So, wow. so yeah, everything worked out, but that was not a fun day. No, <laughs> I bet not. Because of course, then I also had to send the bus over to New Jersey to park. Oh wow! Yeah. So I had to get probably a hotel and yeah, pretty tight fit. I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's the 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 Secaucus, New Jersey. Walmart. Oh, wow. Okay. So (laughs) you had a little room, I'm sure, then. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I like to joke, if you have not been to the Secaucus, New Jersey Walmart, you haven't toured because every (laughs) bus posts up there because it's right across from New York. Yeah. They've got parking and there's a Walmart and there's a bunch of restaurants. I've I've spent more time in that parking lot than I have probably in any one place on tour in 11. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had a, I don't want to say who it was, but I was going to pick up some tour people and they had stopped in the Walmart parking lot. And I, I went up, I went to pick up the crew chief and he's digging through bushes. I'm like, man, what are you doing? You know, it was early in the morning. And he's like, yeah, we had to, we had to go up to Vancouver. <laughs> we dropped a, we hit our stash in these bushes and it was like down in Tacoma. We, uh-huh. we and and they were they were playing there after Vancouver, uh, uh, the Dome, I think. <laughs> so uh-huh. We're fine, and had a giant canister. He's like, "Oh, here it is." Yep, that's <laughs> that's something that happened. Well, yeah. That's what's so funny about like right now to kind of tangent on that is the way the cannabis laws are. Yeah, it, it can be legal on both sides of the border, and mm-hmm. you still can't carry it across. Right. Like, yeah. I I know one guy who got a like a black mark on his record for accidentally forgetting that he had some CBD lotion with him. Wow. That's, and border that's border patrol is like, no cannabis product can't have that. It's like, it's legal here and it's legal there, but because it's a controlled substance, you can't carry it yeah. across. Wow. Fun uh, with yeah, that's, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, when I work local, I've had a lot of tours, you know, they head up there next and they got to unload. Oh yeah. We stopped. You know, so I mean, there's a, there's an upside to it for me, you know, down here and then just, you know, (laughs) so what's with, Oh, sorry. I was going to say I was with one band and we were just, we were just stopping at a gas station. It just gave away a ton of (laughs) CBD product. (laughs) Made a lot of people happy. Oh, for sure. Like some company had had sponsored them and been like, here, have all this CBD stuff. And like, oh, cool. Wow. And then, yeah, we stopped at a, we just had to stop at a gas station before we crossed the border. And we're like, hey, you guys want a bunch of CBD stuff? They're like, why? (laughs) Because we're crossing the border. Oh, cool. (laughs) What's in it? (laughs) Nothing. It's either you take it or. It goes, or it goes to the trash. To the trash. Yeah. We don't care. Like, we're not taking it. <laughs> uh, what are some of the biggest myths about your job? Oh, that it's well, that that it's like a a constant, you know, rock and roll motley crew party backstage every night. Yeah. Like it yeah. just it's those days are gone. Yeah. I mean, sure, you know, we'll. You know, we'll have friends in certain towns and, you know, people would go out and drink a ton. But, you know, the idea that there's a whole bunch of half naked people getting weird backstage is just it yep. just doesn't happen. Like, you know, the odds of anyone getting backstage that you don't already know are slim to none. Yeah, 
for sure. Because we've got things backstage that, you know, like I've got my laptop back there. I've usually got, you know, paychecks and things in my bag that have, yep. we haven't had time to deposit. So backstages are pretty controlled. Like mm-hmm. unless, unless you're in Motley Crew, some rando is not going to get back there. You know, we don't, we right. don't have the, the singers going, Hey, that chick's hot. Get her backstage. Like that yeah. just does, it doesn't happen. Yep. Um, so I think that's really the biggest myth is that it's a nonstop party. You know, if, when mm-hmm. you're doing, when you're doing five shows in a row and nobody's got any sleep, like a lot of what the guys just want to do is sit backstage and relax and have good food and yep. not have to deal with it. You know, like there are nights where things can get a bit crazy where you're, you know, you're all hanging out and drinking and stuff, but yep. it's no more than it would be if you went out to a bar with your friends at home. So I think that's exactly, really yeah. the biggest myth that you hear about in the industry. Yes. Yeah. The, those days are gone. <laughs> and you're right. M- most of the partying is done at a bar down the street, you know, where everybody wants to rally. But first of all, like the, the moment the workers can get out of the venue, you know, and, and breathe some fresh air and go have a few drinks. That's what they're going to do. Usually, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And well, and also a lot of the time, depending on how long the drive is, if you are on a bus, you know, you can't just, well, one, the bus is our house. So I'm not inviting a bunch of strangers into my house. It's not happening. Exactly. Yep. You know, Mm -hmm. two, the bus is kind of cramped. So it's like, yeah, if, you know, say, you know, my brother or sister are in town or something, they can come hang out on the bus. Yep. You know, Jim Bob's super fan does not get to come on the bus. Right. But then also the bus is generally leaving pretty you know, pretty soon after the show ends, depending yep. on distances, I try to make it so that the bus leaves a half hour after whenever last call is at the bars nearby. Yep. Just for That's morale smart. purpose. Yeah. You know, it's like... For sure. And sometimes if we have a really short drive, you know, maybe the bus is leaving at 5 in the morning. But you know, for the most part, if, if the bus is leaving at 2.30 a.m., that's fine. Everyone yep. can go, they can get a couple drinks and then they can come back to the bus and go to sleep. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not going to, you know, all night Coke parties. It's just, yeah, exactly. Not a thing. Some, uh, some try and they don't last <laughs> very long. <laughs> that's, that's true. Cause it is a job. Yeah. Like, and by some, I mean, it, that's actually, those people are very few and far between, you know, cause for the most part, everybody is very well aware of the fact that, you know, the touring, it is a constant, sorry, it's a constant forward motion thing. And it's so much hard work that, you know, I mean, I I have three beers afterwards and, you know, that could slow me down the next day, you know, (laughs) in the city or whatever. So, so, yeah. Well, it's like, and and I, I like to drink. I will drink. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But there's so many things about my job that I can't do if I'm drunk. Like oh, I yeah, cannot, I sure. cannot mix a band drunk. Yeah, I, I would mess it up, and then I wouldn't have a job anymore. I right. can't, go, I can't go to the promoter and get paid drunk. Yep. Be, you know, I'm looking over contracts. I'm looking over you know cost breakdowns. If I miss something and it ends up costing the band four or five hundred bucks because I right. screwed up because I was drunk, that's a real good way for me to not be a tour manager anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then I do my accounting at the end of the night, and yeah. So, you know, I can't do that drunk. So for the most part, I'll have one or two beers 
yeah during the evening like i'll have a beer with dinner and then i'll you know we we always joke about the breakdown beer yeah it's like <laughs> like i'll crack i'll crack a beer during the last song of the encore there you go <laughs> why not we'll have, I mean... yeah exactly and then we'll, <laughs> you, you earned you know, it by that point for sure yeah we'll, we'll <laughs> drink that while we break down the stage and take everything off yeah silly songs about breaking down and uh yeah but then yeah i don't i don't drink drink until the work's done oh for sure with, yeah you know it's probably good i'd probably weigh a lot more than i do if i was drinking hard every day right <laughs> you and me both yeah <laughs> so uh talk to me about how you got started in the industry so yeah it's actually kind of a a strange thing. And I, I don't know how many other people took this particular route. Um, back in 2008, when the Spitting Cobras were doing their thing, and they were just absolutely an incredible band. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. Yeah, they're like, they're awesome. Yeah, they're like ACDC and Judas Priest on crack. They're amazing. <laughs> that's, that's a very good way to describe them. <laughs> <laughs> but so... So a good buddy of mine, uh, his name's Eric, and he had always wanted to start a record label, and he wanted to sign one of my bands, but I was like, dude, you've got to check these guys out. If we're signing anybody, it should be these guys. Yeah. We, we started a record label mm -hmm. on the condition that basically I did the day-to-day -day operations and ran it, and Eric was mostly just kind of a kind of a silent partner like he he had suggestions and stuff like he had ultimate control but when it came yeah. to actually running it, it was me so we signed the spitting cobras and they had this plan that they were going to tour like 200 dates a year in their rv of mm -hmm. death and that was going to be how we built up the momentum for album sales okay now keep in mind that in 2009 starting a record label with physical media might not have been the best advice <laughs> idea um we printed out ten thousand copies of their first record and okay. i think about six thousand of them are still in the basement of jules's house oh wow so if you're listening jules yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> but so the idea was that because eric had invested so much money into this band and they were going on tour and they didn't have a tour manager he was like i want you on the road basically to protect the investment yeah so that's what happened. I mean, I did about 15 tours with those guys and their band manager, whose name's Avell, and he's fantastic. He's been in the industry a long time as well, touring with all kinds of people. Yeah. But he he kind of showed me the ropes of like the actual ins and outs and nuts and bolts of tour management. Okay. And then between Jules and Andy in the spit and cobras them doing so much touring they were also able to really kind of explain to me how things were supposed to go mm -hmm. so i kind of got started you know almost like an unpaid intern intern they would uh you know they'd pay my rent and stuff and i was always yeah. fed but i wasn't actually making money but it was it was good resume building absolutely so that, yeah so that kind of got me into it um my first real bus tour uh, I actually wasn't even supposed to be on, but, um, I was there to cover one or two days at the beginning. And then, uh, the guy who was supposed to be the TM ended up having a family emergency and they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I guess you're the tour manager now. <laughs> All right. Hope I know what I'm doing. Let's pretend that I do. Which is a pretty common thing to be thrown into the fire and with this job. Right. 
it definitely seems that way. So like getting into audio was kind of the same way. Like I'd always, I'd always known a little bit about audio. Like I, you know, as a kid, I'd done a bunch of recordings on old tape four tracks and things like that. So I knew, I knew a lot of the basic basics, but living with Jules, who is a really talented engineer in his own right, he produced Spittin' Cobra's record. He produced my old band's record. So living with him was really nice because we would be sitting, we'd sit on the couch drinking beer and he would explain to me a lot of the ins and outs and more technical aspects of, of engineering that I wouldn't have known otherwise. So it was kind of having kind of like having, you know, a, an at home masterclass. And, uh, I just, I started getting offered, you know, Hey, can, well, I got called in as a replacement on a tour where a guy got fired. And they're like, hey, you busy tomorrow? Want to fly to Houston? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then, you know, they were like, oh, we all we need is a backline tech. I'm like, sure, I can do that. And then they called me like an hour later. They're like, hey, uh, you want to be our monitor engineer too? Sure. Sure, I'll be the monitor engineer. And so that got me a bunch of experience on different consoles. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of went from there. That's awesome. You had some like guidance along the way. Your your training came sounds like it came like on site basically. Oh, one hundred percent. And the thing about this is, in this industry, I really, you know, maybe it happens, but I don't think that anyone who is doing this in this industry is quote unquote self made in any way. Right. Everybody got where they are. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone will correct me and be like, "No, I'm the you know I did it myself." But it's like. I've had so many people teaching me things, showing me things, yeah. and also just giving me work. Like I have never applied for a tour manager or audio job. I just yeah. someone that I know will throw my name in. In fact, there was one tour that I did where I got a phone call from a dude and he was like, Hey, I need a production manager. Are you busy? I'm like, no, no problem. And Apparently, he got my name from someone who was the roommate of someone that I had toured with previously, but I don't know which person that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works. <laughs> so somebody somebody from the Rooney camp uh, recommended okay. me for a job. So yeah. if, if you're that person from the Rooney camp, thank you. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's word of mouth. You know, you, you show up. That's a huge part of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, do your job to the best of your abilities. And and I think another huge part of it is is keeping that good attitude, you know? It really is. You know, people with people who get flustered and freak out, they they become poison on tour. Yeah. They'll you know, if morale's not good, touring can be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Because yep. You know, you're you're stuck in close quarters with people for, you know, sometimes six, eight weeks at a time. Yeah. Little things become big things. So Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, blow stuff off and be like, you know what, it's not that big of a deal that someone left a sock in Bunk Alley. You know, it's that's that sort of thing is. Yeah. And so that's that's why I think a lot of the people who are successful are successful is because, you know, 
say someone asks me, you know, hey, do you have someone who can take this job? I'm going to think about the people who I tour with who mm-hmm. always have good attitudes and I get yeah. along with and who also work. Like, you know, my buddy Zach, um, he actually, you know, I took him on his first tour because I'd worked with him in a bunch of audio stuff and I knew he was a good dude. And now he's getting a bunch of great work completely yeah. independently of me. But, yeah. you know, because people he's worked with have been, oh, this dude's great. Let's take him on the road. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very insular kind of thing. But I guess once you know people and you've proven yourself, that's, I guess I'm, I'm rambling at this yeah, point. No, but. no, I t- I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing you, man. The, I, I can't think of anyone in my experience that's self-made like you said it, it, it's taken you know them getting getting their foot in the door however that happened and then a crew of people you know lifting them up building them up and then the word gets out about that person and then they're they're doing you know like 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 you they they might be tour manager for this one or audio engineer for that one or backline for that one or catering uh, a front of house catering person you know it's just you know, it's the type of industry where you can, you can wear a lot of hats like that, you know? For sure. There was, there was one tour where I started as the backline guy and then, yeah, then I became the, then I became monitors and backline within an mm-hmm. hour. And yeah. then within about six or seven days, they'd fired their tour manager and I was that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird the way that sort of thing works. Yeah. But it takes, it, it takes a crew. It, that's why I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like you said, there, there may have been that three people that were self-made but for the other you know the 97 percent <laughs> it's yeah it's it's a crew that that makes all this happen you know oh absolutely so what's the best tour that you were on what's the one that stands out the most oh man see that's i guess that'd probably be too uh two different things so there's most most yeah. memorable yeah there you go most memorable <laughs> yeah most memorable versus uh versus best so i say most memorable i'd you know I, I gotta say it's still that first tour in the rv yeah you know, it was <laughs> it was me and and the four spitting cobras and alex's dog in this oh, rv right on. and you know everything was terrible and everything was falling apart you know, we're missing <laughs> We're missing shows because the thing's breaking down. Like the heat in the front of the van didn't work and it was November. So it's like 20 degrees. We're wearing bags over wow. our socks inside boots to try and survive if you were driving. Everyone in the back was fine. They had a space heater. <laughs> but, you know, the the amount of just absolute insanity that happened on that tour, as far as everything that could go wrong, went wrong. But because it was the five of us there together doing it, I think really made it sort of a, a bonding thing. That was kind mm-hmm. of what it was so crazy that like at the end of it, uh, I remember Jules and Andy saying to me, they're like, man, if you can tour manage this, you can probably tour manage anything. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just because every, everything was going wrong. Like when, yep. when the, when the RV broke out or broke down, we had to, so we were in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So what we had to do was Alex, the singer, and I rented a Penske truck and put everything from the RV into oh that God. truck. Yeah. And we, we drove west from San Antonio while the rest of the band drove east, got on a plane in 
I want to say they got on a plane in Austin, mm-hmm. flew back to Seattle, borrowed a van and trailer from our booking agent, and then drove that down the West Coast. And we reconnected in Anaheim and did a show there. And yeah. we only missed two shows. Wow. So, you know, that sort of thing is crazy. That's you awesome. <laughs> we made a, uh, I made a 45 minute video of that tour. Yeah. And, uh, so I made a 45 minute video of that tour. And it's funny because at the beginning you watch us and we're like, oh, this RV is awesome. Look how cool it is. <laughs> yeah, look how cool Ooh. we are. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we got a TV. We got a George Foreman grill. Uh, it's like MTV Cribs. Yeah. <laughs> and then after a few days, we're going, um, yeah, this things are going kind of bad. It's, it's going to, everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay. And then by the end of it, we're just like, all of our eyes are sunken. Like we look like we just come back from, you know, a battle in starship troopers or something. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> we just look like the walking dead. And we're like, we hate this RV. It sucks. <laughs> Throwing yeah. rocks at it from, oh, from outside. <laughs> yeah. I've got video of Alex kicking it. Yeah. Like, just terrible. So most memorable would be that one. Um, so favorite tour is kind of a loaded question because I guess really the thing is, is just about every tour that I've gone on has been a mm-hmm. repeat tour with people because I'm at the point in my career that I don't have to take jobs I don't want to do. Right. So if I'm going out with a band more than once, it's not just because of the the money or the exposure or the cloud or anything. It's usually because it, I genuinely like them. Okay. Like, you know, they're actual friends. So every tour kind of has its own little, like, magical thing about it where I'm like, oh, cool, I get to see my friends again. Like, it sounds silly, but, you know, when, it, when a front of house engineer, be it me or some of the tours where we have a different mm-hmm. front of house guy, um, plays that first song to tune the room because we always use the same one like yep. you know everyone in the crew will start cheering you yeah. know because hey we're on the road again let's do this yeah you know? <laughs> i mean every everybody i've toured with has heard the same song at least the first song like yeah. a million times those poor poor bastards yeah. but <laughs> but it's like you know like these people become your actual genuine friends like you know, I've been out with V&V Nation, I'd say, seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, Ronan the singer is a like a genuine friend. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy, the guy was calling me when I was going through a divorce to check yeah. on me from Germany. Wow. Like, so it isn't just a, you know, employer employee kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Like there's genuine friendship that happens. So yeah. it's like, you know, Ronan took me to the uh, German tank museum on a day off. In That's Germany, awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, three teeth. We've, we've, we've run all over Europe yeah. with three teeth. In fact, their uh, guitar player broke his wrist on the last tour. Oh, wow. And, one show i had to fill in on guitar right Um, on (laughs) it was not good um (laughs) i learned i learned like 13 of their songs in about an hour and uh oh my god did you have it was cheat sheets or anything oh yeah oh yeah my set list looked looked like you know 
Charlie's I mean, map. you've got an idea of the songs. You hear this stuff every night. For sure. I knew how they went. I just play them. <laughs> yeah. You never yeah. thought to be like, oh, hey, these all these songs have these chords and specific notes and I should know that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Well, it also didn't help that because the guitar player was at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, the bass player was teaching me the songs and he didn't know that there were two guitars in two different tunings. So I learned most of them in the wrong tuning. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, the notes were right. I just had to play them really awkwardly. So about halfway through, the the singer was like, uh, yeah, thanks, Rob, but uh, you can go back to front of house now. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was that was memorable. But I guess, you know, really any tour where you're out with friends and mm-hmm. you're able to do silly things like that. Like I, I dragged three teeth to the uh, Finnish tank museum in Finland yeah. in January. So I guess, yeah, I don't really have a favorite tour because there's little things about every tour that make them good. And that's why yeah. we keep doing it. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a good point. Some people do have that, you know, that one tour, but you're right. I, every one of mine are, are, there is something unique about each one of them for sure. Yeah, definitely. So what was the last thing you worked? The last tour you did or like did was it a local thing? Was it a tour? No, the last uh the last tour that I did was Europe with three teeth. Okay. So we did we were there about a month and we did our first week we had uh Pig as main support, which was awesome. Oh wow. Just yeah. Great band. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we did we did the UK with pig and then we went over to mainland europe and we were cruising around there we hit up all kinds of places we got to take the ferry across scandinavia and mm-hmm. all that stuff we were actually on the way to milan when italy closed their border because of oh, COVID. Wow. yeah wow when was that that would have been the third week of february okay wow so it was yeah because we pretty close to uh, ours yeah yeah, the last show that I worked was in Amsterdam on, I think, the 29th of February. Okay. And we, we flew home, and I had, I think, 10 days off, and March 12th, it was a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Mar- I, was, I was packed. I was ready to go. You know, I've, I'm, I'm in my, my living room mm-hmm. with my you know, Pelican full of microphones and a bag full of clothes talking to management and they're going, we might have to pull this. This might not work. Cause you yeah. know, that they were venues were already talking about, you know, in some States they were enacting, you know, a 50 person limit and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So three hours before I got on a plane to start the tour, they canceled it. Oh my God. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, I mean, this summer was supposed to be crazy. We were yep. supposed to, we were supposed to do Hellfest. We were yeah. supposed to do Boomtown. We were, we had yeah. a bunch of Euro dates. We had an entire month in the U.S. You know, I was I was basically supposed to be on the road eight months of this year, and yeah. now I've been on tour in my living room for eight months. Yeah, <laughs> right. The Netflix <laughs> tour. <laughs> oh yeah, it's real. I've been Man. I've been all over the Netflix. Yeah, I got I got the the email. Um, the last tour. Uh that I was supposed to be on. Um, yeah, I got the email the night before I was supposed to fly out at 6am and the night before that I was all packed, ready to go at eight or 9pm. I got the email saying, you know, it's not happening. Just like, man, 
what day was that <laughs> that like the same day uh n- no that i want to say that was march 19th okay so a little yeah, later march 18th was when i got the email 19th i think was supposed to be the the first day you know we're flying to new york doing some rehearsals and then um yeah i think it was on to canada after that so that was a that, that when i got that email i knew it was going to create a domino effect i mean a lot of people were shocked that it's taken this long yeah. um for many reasons i had a gut feeling the summer was done oh yeah for sure i mean we were all kind of hopeful being like oh maybe yeah maybe fly in august yeah you know, some yeah. of the big euro festivals waited to cancel for quite a while like i think hellfest didn't cancel until well let's see hellfest was supposed to be june 20th and mm-hmm. i don't think they actually canceled that until late april yeah yeah um Boomtown was, I think they they canceled it about a month out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That sucks. Yeah, yeah totally. So here's to uh, 2021. Indeed, <laughs> my my band is making a record right now, and you know we nice. want we want to get it out as soon as possible. And I was like, guys, we're not releasing it in 2020. I do not want that stank on, on that record. Right? It's going to be a 2021 release. Because that's when everything's gonna come back. You put 2020 <laughs> on that record, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want that bad juju. On no. nope, nope. <laughs> no, it, yeah, this nothing, nothing about this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, what message do you have for government officials that are in charge of the shutdown? Well, as far as the shutdown, honestly, we should have just shut down harder earlier, and. Yep. Because a virus can't spread if it can't move from person to person. If they had just shut us down for real instead of yep. doing all the half measures, it'd be gone by now. Mm-hmm. But instead, you got some states being like, "Ah, oh, everyone can go do whatever they want, freedom." And then you yep. got some states going, "You cannot leave your house." And it's like, yeah, it's, but, yeah, yeah, I agree. But people don't realize that you know, if if, and I'm not trying to throw a state under the bus, but uh, you know, if there's a state that's not following along and they they're just doing whatever they want and it's spreading that affects us you know yeah here in on the west coast that still affects us well and it's like yeah if if we had just totally locked down we would be in much better shape yep. and it would have been shorter it's it's but you know yep. hey logic and reason have gone out the window we, we live in an era where yep. you're your <laughs> science is now a matter of opinion that's why i knew this was going to be shut down for a long time that right there it's like there <laughs> are legitimately like, people who think the earth is flat like, <laughs> right, exactly how can we expect people to go hey you know if you breathe on someone you might get them sick no yeah. that's propaganda <laughs> yeah come yeah. on i know <laughs> but yeah. i think i think the biggest thing that people in our industry is facing i mean i can't speak for everyone but i can speak for me um and at probably a lot of people as well is because of the way that we make our money like i'm pretty much 100 percent on 1099s so i'm yeah i'm listed yeah. as self-employed well when i filed for my unemployment because of this they didn't accept the 1099s for whatever reason yeah. so they're basing my unemployment income off of a couple of months that I worked last year um, in between tours. So they're only paying me $127 a week 
on unemployment. Oh my God. That's because yeah. it's crazy. Now, luckily yeah. I have enough saved from tour, but mm -hmm. you know, I was planning on using that to do things like, you know, not right. just buy food and rent. Like mm -hmm. I, and I think that our industry, because we don't fit the mold of a standard nine to five worker, there really aren't systems in place to take care of us. No, there's not. And so we're talking about a, you know, thousands of people who are basically just kind of hung out to dry because we can't go back to work. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, we can't just be like, you know, a lot of us, you know, you changing careers is crazy. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. 40 years old, you know, yeah. Same. what job am I going to get? You know, it's like, yeah, I've got a bachelor's degree. What, <laughs> Dear sir, I would love to be a, you know, I would love to work at your restaurant. Oh, wait, that's closed too. Yep. Yep. But I think the big problem is that because of the lack of aid for not just the workers, but for the mm -hmm. venues themselves, we're going to end up with a massive hole in the economy that's left by the entertainment industry. Absolutely. We're, we're already seeing independent venues closing and struggling and laying people off. And, you know, the, the music industry is billions and billions of dollars a year of, of money yeah. coming. You know, it's, it's not only being spent inside the venues to keep the venues open, but that money filters out to the bands and the people who work there yeah. and the people touring who then take that money and they spend it on other things. And we're right now looking at a massive sector of the economy yeah. that is not having the money to spend like we i i mm -hmm. can't go out and just buy stuff right now because i you know i'm busy buying food yeah uh, and we're not being taken care of it's like they're they're bailing out the airline industry for majillions of dollars and mm -hmm. the music industry and the entertainment industry in general has kind of just been left hung out to dry and if they don't yep. do something soon the it's going to take years to recover that sector of the economy yeah. And in the meantime, people like me are stuck going, well, they'd better figure something out soon or I'm going to be, you know, selling possessions and, you know, donating yeah. plasma to try and serve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want my blood. You just don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I've you don't damaged, want that roadie blood. <laughs> yeah. Years of years of abusing my body. Yeah. yeah. No. And you're right. I mean, a lot of these small towns with big amphitheaters you know the, the the a large part of their economy comes from summer concert series uh you know you take white river for example you know Enumclaw yeah. and auburn the the two surrounding small towns around the white river amphitheater you know they get a ton of uh, uh their economy is booming during the during the summer concert series so and and this summer, you know, there, there's a lot of hotels that are, you know, not getting the business that they usually get this time of year, you know, um, and, and towns like, uh, the, the, the Eastern Washington towns near the gorge, you know, they get, you know, a lot of those businesses survive on summer concert series. For sure. Well, and that's, and that's the thing is the amount of money that goes into this industry you know, I think people think about it as, you know, oh, Mick Jagger doesn't get to buy himself a new Porsche this year. Yeah. But what it really is, is, you know, think about, you know, 
some of these major arena tours, like I don't know this for sure. I'm just making up a number, but I, I believe that like a Taylor Swift tour employs something like 20 semi trucks. Oh yeah. Easy, easy. And, and so, you know, you're talking about money going toward paying the truck drivers. Yeah. You're talking about money that goes toward fuel for that. You know, the amount of, the amount of flights that I took last year, just me personally, mm-hmm. the amount of flights that I took flying all around the world, was is you know thousands and thousands of dollars and then you multiply yeah. that by every band member that's money going into the economy yeah you know you've got it and so it's like it's really easy to be myopic about the entertainment industry and mm-hmm. think oh well you know the bands will just get their money off of spotify well 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 one that's another bag of worms but yeah. um <laughs> enjoy your point three cents buddy exactly but, <laughs> but the amount of people who are employed, you know, it's like the, the, the guy who works the hot dog stand at the arena isn't getting paid. You know, the security guards yeah. that work at these venues aren't getting paid. You know, the, the bartenders and things at the venues aren't getting paid. So it's all of these people need help. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and when you create that big of a hole in the economy, it's going to have long lasting effects on the economy as a whole. So, yeah, um, I agree. So if they could send me a stimulus check that would rule, I'd be into that. Yeah. If you're, if you know, if any, if any senators or Congress people are listening to this, I hope, I hope they are. I hope they do. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why I ask because they need to. If they did. Yeah, they need to hear this for sure. That's kind of my biggest target demographic for this podcast. I don't know if it'll reach them, <laughs> but it's worth a shot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, Robert, thank you very much for your time. Uh, This has been awesome conversation. I hope we hang out soon. I mean, I plan on coming to Portland soon, you know, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Hit me up. We'll, we'll go hang out in front of a closed bar or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just stand out in front of the venue and be like, why? (laughs) I know. We'll pretend we're waiting for load in. Yeah. (laughs) Just (laughs) invite all your friends, tell them to dress in black. We'll stand outside the venue and just, you know drink and wish we were loading in yep that's (laughs) what we do now (laughs) yeah all right man thanks again for uh for for taking the time to do this this is great absolutely thanks for having me i appreciate it yep and thanks everyone for listening this has been another episode of show call To help save live events and the crew that make them happen, go to WeMakeEvents.org and tell your representatives how important live music is to you. That's WeMakeEvents.org. If you'd like to be on the show, contact us at guests at showcallpodcast.com. That's guests at showcallpodcast.com. If you have questions or would like to know more about what it takes to put on events, contact us at info at showcallpodcast.com. That's info at showcallpodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Google Play. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded every Monday and Thursday. See you next week.
WeMakeEvents.org is not affiliated with Show Call Podcast and is not responsible for the views expressed by the show.